Deception in the Church series, part 21, and uh, part 1 of 21. There are going to be quite a few of these different little parts in this section as we begin to wrap up our series on deception in the church. This is going to be a long section, and one of the reasons for this is because I'm going to take you aside a little bit to look specifically at a disciple and, and, and the goals or the measurement of a disciple. We've been telling you to come out of the church, come out of the Babylonian church, come out of the Babylonian influence, come out of the ministry of anyone that is a wolf or a hireling, and we're going to be talking about that in this, sec- in this section. But one of the things we're going to be talking about in this section is, well, what environment do you need to go into that you know you are going to be discipled, and what are the goals of a disciple? What can I measure within my life to actually know that I'm being taught discipleship correctly? In this section, we're going to be dealing with wolves and shepherds. Another title for this section would be the mother of prostitutes, wolves in sheep's clothing, sheeple and goats, the bride, shepherds, sheep and war horses. I like that. I like all those different graphic pictures that they convey. Um, I'm probably not going to be dealing with cults too much. I'm going to just begin wrapping this up over this series, dealing with these specific types of people. I think addressing cults will be a little bit longer than I want. Um, we're needing to also promote a series of discipleship that is coming up from some of our um, members at the church will be pre- preaching, and, and that will be up once these are finished. And then I want to deal with end times as well. So I need to go into a real study in dealing with end times, especially in the light of what we're looking at today as we as we move further and further and closer and closer to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, in this section, well today I'm going to be do, looking at the wolf, the sheeple, the sheep and the war horse. And then in the next section we'll be looking at immaturity and maturity giving you tools to recognize going into a church whether the people are immature or mature because a Babylonian orientated environment or influenced environment will always lead to immaturity. So how do you recognize that? I will then go into a lengthy supplementary on what a disciple looks like and how to raise a disciple and what you need to know in terms of are you being discipled? And I feel that's very necessary for you, uh, especially in light of the fact that we are telling you, come out, but what are you coming out to? What do you need to be looking at? We'll then be looking at uh, the wolves as leaders. So we're looking at the difference between a shepherd and a hireling. I will then want to go into a section on identifying root spirits, which will uh, help you un- un- understand this section a little bit as well. I did play a little bit around with it in the Babylonian sections of the series. And then um, end off with looking at the, as I said, the shepherd and the hireling. I'm going to make a a statement right now. It's a statement that I believe. You don't necessarily need to accept the statement in any way, shape or form. But it is something that I believe in. Being in the ministry for the number of years that I've been in and having dealt with people in the church and outside the church, it is my view, it is my personal thinking that more people are going to be without God 
and more people are going to spend eternity in hell, the lake of fire, through false religion, through false teachers, through false doctrines, and through the false churches, the Babylonian churches, more than people that have used drugs, prostitution, etc. There are more people that are going to sell themselves out in the church today to the devil in the time ahead, in the short time that lies ahead before the return of the Lord than in any other time in the history of the church. That is my opinion. And that is what I see taking place. And one of the reasons for that taking place is the influence of Babylon that you see in the church. So we're going to be dealing with wolves, looking at them, identifying them. We're going to be dealing with disciples, how to identify them. I'll be referring you to the Disciple Environment book that I have, which gives you an understanding of the environment you need to be looking for and need to be getting into. And um, how, how to access tools that will assist you to develop as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ in this coming dark age that is ahead of us. One more thing, I do have a, a bit of a cough, so every now and then I'll be turning aside and coughing, so please excuse me for that. Alright, let us begin looking at these people in the church that we're going to be dealing with. And then in the next, the, the last section, we'll look at how to judge. So what, what, what is our legitimate grounds for judging such people and their teachings? Excuse me. <coughs> so, wolf, sheeple, sheep, warhorse as congregation members. I like to share, I, lo I, love, I love these pictures that they invoke. Now, I've got this section, I've got mainly from an article from a guy called Joseph Matera, who, who works as a, in, in, in uh, a church in New York City, and then also a series of sermons from Ray Hughes called The War Horse. And I, I, I just, I love the picture these, these, these words invoke, these animals invoke in me when I, when I look at them. Um, when you walk into a local congregation and you get welcomed and warmly welcomed and you feel encouraged, etc., and you sit down, um, how do you discern? Who's welcoming you? Who's sitting down next to you? Who's inviting you to join their small group? Is it a wolf in sheep's clothing? Is it a sheeple? Is it a sheep? Or is it a war horse? Now, generally speaking, we will all personally have elements of these people, characteristics within our lives. <coughs> the problem is when a person allows these characteristics to develop into habitual sin and they develop strongholds, and continue down this path that the enemy can access these strongholds and they become more and more destructive and influences and instruments of Babylon more than operators and ministers and disciples of the kingdom of God. So I walk into a congregation, I sit down next to the pew, I turn around and there is someone grinning at me, giving me a warm handshake and a welcome. What do I do? Well, let's look at wolves right now. Essentially, if you're looking at a wolf, you're looking at someone who's really operating from a spirit of control. 
and you can identify that in various different uh, term, terms. You can use the spirit of Jezebel, spirit of control, and um, if you listen to my third podcast, I compare different people living in Babylon. So different church people living in Babylon. For example, I compared Lot and Daniel. I compared Samson and Joseph. I compared Lot's wife to Esther. Uh, I compared Lot's daughters to Ruth. All these people followed God, and yet they they operated differently in the Babylonianly infused environment in which they were living in. If we study these people and their behavior, and we pray to the Lord and say, Lord, give me, a, give me the gift of the discerning of spirits. When you walk into an organization, you can then be able to discern, is this organization a disciple environment, or is this organization filled with wolves and sheeple, with a hireling, am I going to be able to get discipled? So let's look at the characteristics of a wolf here. And as I said, you'll find these characteristics under, if you read a book on, under Jezebel or Spirit of Control, you'll find the same characteristics. So a wolf is someone that is going to come and outwardly say yes to the leadership, to spiritual authority, but in their hearts, they're going to say no. And so you'll always see a wolf, because remember, what you've got to understand is you will not see the wolf in its real form. You're going to see a sheep. But the wolf is dressed as a sheep. It's in disguise. And so there will be an outward show of submission to authority and following the vision and fulfilling the vision. Uh, but this is not going to be the case because the minute the vision starts to really get into an area of effectiveness for the kingdom of God, you're going to start to see these wolves begin to disrupt the vision and purpose and begin to start implementing their own vision and purpose, and to implement themselves to gain uh, to gain reputation for themselves, as opposed to fulfilling the kingdom of God. They always will have their own vision. All right, no matter what they say, what they do. When the minute you recognize a wolf, you need to recognize and know that this wolf has their own agenda. They have their own vision. You know, pastors often make mistakes by thinking that the only division in their church comes from gossipers or slanderers. And that's a very, very big area in which division comes. But more often than not, I have found that um, the gossip circles and the slander circles will always have a wolf in them somewhere activating all that gossip and slander against where the church is going. And so the senior leader is trying to deal with the gossip and slanderers and trying to get them along and cajole them along in terms of the vision, but doesn't realize that there is a wolf with its own agenda there, which is now manipulating these sheeple. So wolves do not accept any ministerial accountability. They will always walk in the dark. All right? Um, they're going to... They're going to get in there and they're going to basically disrupt. And um, because they always are going to have a dark agenda attached to them. You'll never recognize it because it's always disguised. Devil comes as an angel of light. The wolf comes as a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's coming as a sheep. Wolves are not authentic because they attempt to look like sheep. 
Okay, you will always recognize it. You need to be able to discern it. The minute you start discerning the first wolf, you'll always be able to recognize other wolves there. Because they will always attempt to be like the sheep. Um, the minute someone attempts to be like something else, without a deep change taking place within their life, they're never going to be able to um, ad adhere to that in a in, in, over a long period of time. And so, to fit in to a church, they have to fit into an environment that is not going to challenge those deep roots, those deep strongholds. Because they are not authentic people. They cannot maintain a facade or a mask in an environment that is very, very um, disciple-orientated. And so, you'll always be able to identify as a wolf that is... Um, that is, that is in an environment that is easy to be in. They'll always gravitate to those easy environments. Another way to identify a wolf is they will always attempt to get close to the seat of power. So when you walk into a local church, always look around the leader. You're going to find two groups of people around the leader. You're going to find a wolf or wolves and you're going to find war horses and we'll talk about them later. So they crave proximity to power. The problem with the wolf is they want the power, they want the leadership, they want what they perceive to be the flatterings that the leader gets, but they do not want to pay the price of leadership. I've seen so many people in church leadership, you know, uh, lay people in church leadership that, that want to be pastors. But they've never had the courage to pay the price of being a pastor. And I tell you, it's a high price that both you and your family will pay if you want to go into the ministry. So wolves always are around people who have genuine power and genuine authority. They desire the perks without paying the price. Okay, I've, I've spoken to you that. They, they, they want what you have, but they do not want to pay the price that you've paid over the years to get where you're at. Um, <coughs> they camouflage their motives and their actions with spirituality. This is where you really need to pray to the Holy Spirit to give you the gift of the discerning of spirits. And this is also where you need to recognize in your church leadership that the, 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 the church is founded on the ministry of a true apostle and a true prophet of God. You really need to go in and discern that because if the, if the leadership of the church are hirelings, they will never stop the wolf from coming in and having their way. But if the church is run on with true shepherds, there will always be that conflict when a wolf comes in that you'll need to be able to get ready and get used to. So they will always crave the position. They will always camouflage themselves. But they will always camouflage it with being super spiritual. The Lord says, this is what I read. This is what I'm doing. This is, And they'll always promote that spirituality and in that promotion of spirituality, they are saying to you, you cannot judge me because I'm a spiritual person. 
The problem is you need to have the gift of the discerning of spirits to actually pierce through that veil of pseudo-spirituality to get to the real motive. And the minute you do that, beware, because the, then, then you will see the wolf and the wolf will then come at you. Uh, they are not open people. They are broken people, but they have this stronghold around them and they put on this veneer of spirituality because they don't want to deal with these strongholds. And remember, a stronghold is just sin. It's an entrenched sin behavior. That's all it is. And they will never allow you to touch that. And so they will come with this veneer of spirituality and they'll, they'll deviate you here and there and everywhere by spiritual talk. But, but the minute you start to push in, they're going to either leave you or they're going to try and savage you. Another thing about a wolf, and this is something that it drives me batty because sheeple, just, they just don't understand this. A wolf uses and abuses people to accomplish their own agenda. <coughs> Have you heard of the saying, throwing people under the bus? Whenever I've dealt with a wolf, I've had to be very, very cognizant of the fact that before I get to the wolf, I have to deal with all the sheeple that follow the wolf and I have to deal with them as the wolf throws them off the bus for me to deal with them and, and, and throw them under the bus. And I have to be very, very careful in dealing with the wolf that I don't I, I disrupt as many people around the wolf as possible. And so what sheep and sheeple don't understand is when they get associated with a wolf, that uh, connection they have with the wolf is a one-way, one-way street. That person will abuse you and use you, and you need to understand the, the spirit of divination and Bilal in terms of that, because they will achieve their own agenda, even if it costs you your ministry. They don't care. They will use you to that extent. So anyone hanging around there, uh, a wolf needs to understand that the wolf will always use them to gain power and influence. And sheeple are people who continually run after and protect wolves. Sheeple are people who get between a true shepherd and the wolf when the, wolf, the shepherd is now coming to drive away the wolf. Um, <clears throat> wolves can't be led, unfortunately, but they must be driven away by the shepherds. Now, this is the difficulty I was hinting at earlier on, where one of the greatest strengths and one of the greatest weaknesses of a church is the, churches, the church wants to draw people in and transform them by the power of God and by the renewing of their mind to become disciples of the Lord. And so whenever anyone comes in, there is that process, there is that time frame in which you need to Minister to the person so that the power of God, the word of God, the Holy Spirit can begin to activate within them and begin to transform them into the people of light. Unfortunately, when a wolf comes in, they come in like a sheep. And so you need to use the same methods that you will do from a person coming in from the world to, to, to minister to them. And this oftentimes turns into a hindrance because by the time you identify the wolf, he's, the wolf is embedded within a, within a group of sheep. And so now what has to happen is you as a shepherd has to have to drive that sheep away. 
and you, you begin to realize that, okay, once you've identified the wolf, you will realize the wolf, is, the wolf will not allow you to rehabilitate them. They will not be led. And so you have to drive them away. And so in terms of dealing with the people around the wolf, you have to be very careful in terms of the, the implementation of your warfare at that point in time. Often you've got to remember that when a senior minister is dealing with a wolf, he can't just go up and you know, throw the wolf out because there is a procedure that he is locked into with regards to the, the constitution of his local church. Uh, the biblical procedure in terms of long-suffering and not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to uh, salvation. And also the people that the wolf has put around himself or herself so that you, when you drive the wolf out, you're not going to hurt those sheeple because you're still attempting to change the sheeple into sheep into war horses. So it, is, it does take a long time. It is a conflict. And uh, yeah, it's just not pleasant. Wolves will always attempt to destroy the shepherd so that they can consume the sheep. And uh, you've got to understand that. They will always be there. That is their job. They want to get in there. They want to take over. And then they want to use the sheep as they see fit. And uh, you know, you've got to understand that a wolf is not a son. A wolf is like a bloodsucker, a destroyer of the house. So remember recruitment. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, also, one of the things that you'll need to be able to recognize a wolf with is their, is their ingratitude, their murmuring, their constant grumbling. So you need to go and study Korah, and you will see a wolf there in the life of Korah. Now, sheeple, sheeple are sheep that continually follow wolves. I, I, don't ask me why. I don't know. I don't know. I've got my opinions. I'm not going to go into them now, but. They just follow wolves all the time. And they don't realize that the wolf pack allows them to run along with them because they, they are food. They are people that the wolf is going to throw under the bus to get their own objectives. Let's move on to sheep. Sheep outwardly and inwardly will attempt to follow the spiritual authority of the church and the vision of the church. And both outwardly and inwardly in their hearts, they're going to say yes and, and, and to what the church is doing. Sheep make up most of the congregation, and they will always gravitate to the leader who is the legitimate leader and who watches over their, influ their, their interests. So when you walk into a congregation, you're looking to see whether it's a Babylonian influence or not, and you're looking at the people, look at where the people congregate to, look at, look at the leader that the people follow, because that is the person that, is gonna, that, that generally looks after them, takes care of them. And uh, the, those sheep will reflect the vision of that shepherd. And so they will always flow in the general direction of the rest of the flock, holding to the vision of the shepherd and the organization. They're not interested in position. They're not interested in leadership. They generally live lives that have got all other, their lives are full. They're busy with this, that, and the other. Um, but they are there. In the organization, whilst the organization has stability, and they are there because they know that within that organization, if a storm comes in their life, they will be able to go to that organization or that leader and find uh, a safe place, a stability. They desire stability and they are accountable as long as there, are, there is stability. So the minute you start to have a conflict with the wolf, 
you will probably find as a leader of a church that some of your sheep will go because they just they 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 don't like the the, the stresses involved in a conflict between a shepherd and a wolf they just they, they don't like that they don't like the stresses involved between the conflict of a shepherd and a true church and a babylonian church and so you'll so once that stress comes in you'll probably start to lose some of them they'll go to a place where it is gentle um, they're honest and open about their needs and their hurts and they're grateful to the mature people that they can come to and get ministered to and being able to be led and guided in the path of life. So when instability comes in, when warfare comes in, you will find that they will, they will become insta- instable and they will, they will disappear. They will go to the next uh, flock where there's, there's perceived stability um, they generally don't blame the shepherd for the storms in their life or the attacks of the enemy on the organization but they will go if their needs are not met they will go if they think that their shepherd lacks integrity and is not is strong enough to be able to give them their stability or their place of stability if the storm does come on them. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, they are they are dependent on the shepherds for feed and to have the, have, have themselves fed. They're not self feeders. So they oftentimes they'll graze here and there and everywhere, but um, generally you'll start to find that they will a true sheep will will, will gravitate towards fresh feed. And so if a church's preaching is getting stale and the word of God has not been preached, generally you'll find them moving along uh, to get fed. They don't want to die of malnutrition. So you've got to make sure as a shepherd that the, the, the word that you're giving is pretty fresh all the time for your sheep. Now here's the thing. The minute you begin to transition your sheep from being sheep to war horses, you are going to lose some of your flock. That's just for leaders out there. Just understand the minute you start to implement a disciple environment and the training the disciple needs, you are going to lose some of your flock because some of these sheep, they just want a peaceful pasture. They want to be led by quiet waters and they want to be protected. So just be aware of that. Uh, sheep are vulnerable to wolves that prey on them at night. They, the sheep don't defend themselves. They have no discernment whatsoever. And oftentimes you'll find them wandering straight into the path of a wolf pack at some conference or another uh, to get fed. They um, love to flock around true shepherds. And uh, they can generally tell who the true shepherd is. So you walk into a church and you identify the the true sheep, they'll be able to point you to the true shepherd there. (coughs) But the person you really need to identify is the war horse and the trainer of the war horses. I just just love this uh, terminology. The war horse simply is the disciple. The trainer of the war horse is the discipler. So the war horse is the overcomer. The war horse is the servant of God. The war horse is the Ephesians 4 disciple. The war horse is the slave of God. The bond slave. 
The war horse is someone who understands that concept. The war horse is someone whom God knows and who knows God and knows that God calls them friend. Listen to this uh, scripture in Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1 to 5. Ask the Lord for rain in the springtime. It is the Lord who sends the thunderstorms. He gives showers of rain to all people and plants of the field to everyone. The idols speak deceitfully. Diviners see, the, see visions that lie. They tell dreams that are false. They give comfort in vain. Therefore, the people wander like sheep oppressed for lack of a shepherd. Now this is the verse I really want you to look in at. Verse 3. My anger burns against the shepherds and I will punish the leaders for the Lord Almighty will care for his flock, the people of Judah, and make them like a proud horse in battle. There is basically some steps from transitioning from a sheep to a war horse. Uh, as we go into the supplementary, I'm going to give you those ste- steps in depth to give you an idea of what you need to be looking for and what you need to be putting into your life to transition from a sheep to a war horse. For the Lord, verse 3, Zechariah 10.3, My anger burns against the shepherds and I will punish the leaders. For the Lord, that means his name Yahweh, For the Lord Almighty will care for his flock, the people of Judah, and make them like a proud horse in battle. So the Lord has got a serious problem with the leaders that he's placed over his flock, these false shepherds, these hirelings. So the kings, the princes, the nobles, the prophets, the priests, all these people are leading his sheep astray. They are allowing the wolves to come in. Just listen to this verse of scripture with regards to two verses of scripture with regards to two leaders. <coughs> 1 Samuel 28, 3 to 7. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and the spiritists from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shinem, while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dream or urim or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. I'm going to come back to that. The second person, so you've got Saul. The second person, you've got Ahab. 1 Kings 16.31 He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, And began to serve Baal and worship him. So the true shepherd in Israel, Samuel, dies. He gets buried. And Saul expels all the false witches, mediums, spiritists from the land. In the next verse, the Philistines now come to make war against the Israelites. And they set up camps 
in two different places. And Saul now, King Saul, goes and has a look at the army. And now, listen to this. Fear fills his heart. Terror, he was afraid, and fear fills his heart. The Bible says that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. So fear now, of what he sees in the physical, what is coming against him, shuts him down to communicating with God. So he goes and inquires of the Lord, and the Lord is not speaking. So then Saul says, find me a witch, find me a medium. Do you know how many times I've seen this take place in the church over the years that I've been in ministry? The, the, the root of fear develops such a stronghold that it leads to the person having to control and not trust in the Lord and not wait on the Lord. And so they turn to the second heaven, they turn to a witch that will get access to the devil. <coughs> How on earth do you think you're going to get pure revelation from God through God's enemy? And yet, I cannot tell you the number of times I've seen this take place where people, because of their, in, in, their undealt with sin, because of their strongholds, go to the Lord and they're not getting an answer from the Lord. They're not prepared to wait on the Lord. They're not prepared to deal with their sin. They then turn around, walk and get access to the second heaven, to the demonic heaven, to go and seek an answer there. So the Lord comes to visit his flock, the people of Judah at this time. And he sees what the shepherds are like. He sees what they're doing. And so he begins to take matters into his own hands. Now this is what he does. The Lord himself makes people like horses who are, who are ready to go into battle to defeat his enemies. In other words, he begins to empower people from being weak sheep to become strong horses of battle. Proverbs 21, 31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle. But victory rests with the Lord. So let's look at horses again. I'm going back to that article. And we'll just look at horses as well. Now just remember the horse is just the disciple. The horse is the overcomer. The horse is someone who really truly understands the concept of servanthood to the Lord. Of bond slavery to the Lord. Horses are multipliers. Go around people in your church and look at people who are multipliers. Look at people who have other people following them and there is an impartation and growth within the people around them. As opposed to the wolf who will also have people around them, but the people around them will be sort of drones. They will, they will have no personalities. The horse here is a metaphor for something that is stately, for something that is powerful. And, in, and generally, in most congregations, less than 5% of the congregation would be horses, if, it's a, if, and if that congregation is basically healthy. 
And a horse is not the kind of person that can be micromanaged. So unfortunately, in many instances, horses are also driven out of churches because of hirelings who don't understand what, what the horse is, what the disciple actually is. Uh, they need space to run. They need space to release what God has placed, the energy that God has placed within them. They need space to release that and operate within that, but they don't want to be micromanaged. So you'll often find horses being thrown out of Babylonian orientated churches and you'll find wolves thrown out of true churches. And so you'll, you need to discern what's out there. Uh, horses say yes to spiritual authority once they understand what they are buying into. So you're going to have to go to a horse, a war horse, and, 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 and you're going to have to learn to understand that that horse needs to buy. And the horse is not going to just accept what you have to say. They have to themselves buy in to what God has given to you or the vision of the church. They're the kind of people... Um, who seem to be reluctant to get involved. But you need to understand that they will only get involved if they fully understand what they get involved in. Because they are the type of people who are also very, very busy and they manage their time wisely. And because they manage their time wisely and they understand the value of what God has given them, they are not going to invest in something that is just going to be irrelevant it's, it's, it's something for the sake of doing something and you as a leader in a church need to be able to recognize this and if you walk into a church to join a church you need to be able to recognize this type of thing around the leader people around disciples around a leader so if a leader is a discipler this is the type of person he's going to have around him <coughs> so this is a person that's going to be Highly motivated in what they're going to do. And so if they're going to invest in you, they're going to need to see that you're not a sheeple or a wolf. But they, that you're going to be someone that is going to understand what it means to pay the price of being a disciple. Um, they are transparent and personally accountable to those who train them and to those who release their potential. So you'll see an incredible amount of loyalty there. Watch for loyalty. Watch for what they say. I mean, what comes out of a person's mouth is a massive indicator of what's in their heart. And you'll be able to discern the speech of a wolf to the speech of a disciple. They are the kind of leaders who actually gravitate towards a leader who is going to take them to the next level. So learn to discern who the disciples are. Learn to discern who the horses are because the horses are going to point you to a person who is going to take you to your next level and activate all the potential in you without having fear for them for their own vision of their own ministry. So 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 be careful about who you associate with because the wolf appears to be a leader but is not. The horse doesn't appear to be a leader but is. Um, and they gravitate to people who are actually going to take them to a higher level. And so there is a bond of trust and loyalty that develops there. Watch for the loyal people. Watch for the people with trust that have, that have trust and watch how they speak. Um, they reflect the vision of the visionary and, they, and, and, and they'll reflect it in such a way that you'll think, you know, it's theirs. So they will be perpetually 
pushing that vision of the leader and, and you'll be able to recognize him in that sense. Um, sheep have ownership of an organization because their needs get met. Horses are loyal to an organization and they exhibit a spiritual of proprietorship. All right? Sheep are there because of what they can get. Horses are there because of what they can give and what they've bought into and they own it. All right? So when the battle comes, the sheep might move off to another shepherd. But the horses are going to stand, gear up for battle and go into battle. Okay, A horse has the ability to carry people in the organization with them at a high speed, promoting the vision. And um, it's, it's incredible to, for me as a leader to see when the sheep begins that transition into becoming a horse, a war horse, and, and, and listening to their talk, listening to their ministry, watching their ministry. It's an unbelievable experience for me as a leader to see this taking place. Loyal war horses will always outpace a wolf and scare them off. So because of their speed and because of their strength, when you release them in times of battle, you will find that the wolves run away from these war horses. So if you're in an organization and you walk in and you associate with two different groups, you will find the group that does a lot of murmuring and grumbling. And go and look at the, that in chorus group in, 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 in when he attacked Moses. Excuse me. There you will find. <coughs> excuse me. There you will find a wolf activating and stirring things up. But a war horse will basically be drawing people to the leader, activating you yourself as well, and 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 the the, the the you will find that there will be no sheeple generally around the war horse, but you will find a lot of sheeple around the wolf. And you can distinguish between the two groups. The one group will be like the group in Psalm one that you got to stay away from. And the other group will be a group that basically is there to train you and call you to excellence. Um, you'll find that war horses like to go fast. So there's a difference between those that are sitting grumbling to those that are out there running. And they get to a time where their pace becomes like that of the matrix where things become so slow around them uh, and 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 they just want to go. They want to they want to get into the things of God. They're hungry for the things of God. They want to activate into their ministry, and and that's the difference that you will see where the one goes introspective, grumbling, moaning, tearing down, wanting to fight inside, where the other one is outward looking, want to be implementing the things of God. They crave accomplishment and significance, not titles and positions. Where the wolf wants to get the title and positions but not pay the price of that. You'll also find that in the war horse group, there will be a lot of alphas, 
both male and female. And they'll be able to get along together because they've all been trained to become war horses. Whereas in the wolf group, there's only one alpha, and that's the wolf. And all the other people around there are sheeple. They're people that have no character, they have no personality, and they've just been sucked dry. And so when you actually get sheep, sheeple after the wolf is dealt with and you've got the wolf out there, it takes a significant amount of time to bring healing to the life of the sheep because essentially they just their, their whole character, their will has just been eroded because they've been drones and puppets in the hand of a wolf for X number of years. And so you've got to look at that in terms of when you minister to them. A war horse ultimately is someone that can take over the primary discipler of that organization. And, they, and the primary discipler is basically someone who is equipping them to do that. And so you will see a very, very upward moving group amongst the war horses. So when you go in and you start ministering or you start looking for a church to join, those are the groups that you're going to find within your local, the local congregation. And those are some of the tools that you'll need to use to basically discern where you're going to fit in. Uh, we're going to go on and deal with the next section, which is maturity and immaturity. How to recognize maturity and immaturity in the church. God bless you. Thanks for listening.